Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And of course, we've been talking throughout the day today. Everyone's uh, looking forward, anticipating what President Joe Biden will say in his speech tomorrow night. Uh, his first speech uh, in front of a joint session of Congress, again, not State of the Union. They, they saved that for year number two. Uh, but these kinds of speeches are significant, and the preparation that goes into them is is always fascinating and interesting. Uh, and I've been looking forward to this conversation all day long. Uh, this is the greatest speechwriter in Washington, D.C., maybe one of the great thinkers in Washington, D.C. Uh, Michael Conley is the founder and principal of Inkling Communications, Uh, He's been writing for corporate and political leaders for more than two decades. Uh, He's done everything from Silicon Valley to Capitol Hill. Uh, He's done it for candidates, executive branch officials, United States senators and representatives, corporations, and so on. So this guy knows his way around a speech and around some words and uh, been waiting to have this conversation all day. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks. uh, Thanks, boys. It's great great to be with you. Wonderful. So uh, I love on your on your website, uh, you start off with the ultimate Mark Twain quote that the difference between the almost right word and the right word is the difference between a lightning bug and the lightning. Uh, You've done a lot. You've done a lot of these big speeches. So start from the beginning. What's kind of the essence? How do these speeches what's going on inside President Biden's inner circle as they've been preparing for this speech tomorrow? Sure. I mean, I think in and first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think the um, you begin with the end in mind, like any other big project. Um, <clears throat> the point of the speech is the end of the speech and where you want to persuade people to go. Whatever the call to action is at the end, um, whatever you're trying to get them to believe or to agree with you about or get them to do. Um, in this case, Congress, um, you know, two audiences there, the Congress, uh, Republicans in Congress, Democrats in Congress, and also the American people watching. And so you want to make sure that you have an idea before you start writing exactly what it is you want to leave them with. You don't want people to be confused. Um, and in terms of, of putting the speech together, it's a, it's a long process. You've got um, especially something as broad as this. Now, I think if, if President Biden is smart and, and um, he'll be focusing on the economy, right? We have the situation coming out of the, of, of the pandemic, starting slowly, surely opening back up. Uh, the American people are pretty focused on getting the economy moving again, and um, that's what President Biden ran on. That's what he's uh, trying to do. He's talking about this infrastructure plan. He's talking about this new jobs plan. Um, he's going to talk about the, the, the taxes that he wants to do. So he's got a, a something to sell. He wants Congress to go along, but mostly he's trying to get the American people to get engaged. Mm. So important and, and getting to that end. And it seems of late that uh, many of these kinds of big speeches in front of Congress, uh, State of the Union type speeches, have really become more laundry list and, and kind of yeah. use of props. Um, 
how could President Biden do this a little different? We know it will be a smaller crowd uh, inside uh, the House chamber there because of the, the pandemic. Uh, anything he ought to be thinking about positioning to make this different than the standard laundry list uh, kind of speech? Yeah. Well, I think there's two things. I think the first one, um, which is a general rule applicable to, to all speeches, uh, is that shorter is better. Um, you know, I think there were times, especially uh, under uh, President Clinton, um, who is not a great orator, but gave pretty popular State of the Union speeches um, because, as you said, they were laundry lists. He threw in a sentence or two designed to, to make everybody happy. Um, in this case, um, with control of Congress, President Biden actually has a chance to get stuff done that he talks about in the speech tonight. And I think the first chunk of the speech is going to be him laying out all the stuff that they've accomplished so far. Obviously, the theme of the speech is the first 100 days. Um, that's going to be how it's framed by the media uh, of his administration. And he can point to, we've done this, we've done this. We've got the COVID thing passed. We've, you know, we're vaccinating all these millions of people. We've, we've changed the, the, the mask guidelines and everything. Like, he's going to try to paint a picture of a, of a country and an economy that is – you know, stretching its legs and getting ready to move uh, again after after the pandemic. And so he I think he wants to have a short speech that takes some credit for those things, but then pivots very quickly and very um, precisely onto exactly what it is he wants to do next. He doesn't need to lay out a, a vision of America 50 years from now, and he doesn't need to lay out a vision of America 10 years from now. Those kinds of things can come later on in his administration. I think right now what he needs to say is, here's what I think you guys should do, Congress. Here's why. Um, and the American people, I, I need your help to try to convince Congress to do these things. Um, I think it, as long as he and, and so far, he seems to have a pretty clear idea in this infrastructure plan. Um, it's obviously very broad. Two trillion dollars is a lot of wiggle room in there um, for negotiation. But if what he wants is I have this plan, the American jobs plan, and uh, it's going to spend this much money on this and this much money on that and this much money on that and pass it by Labor Day. You know, that's a that's a strong speech. And then get in and get out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that especially for President Biden, he's not uh, not fantastic off the teleprompter. Uh, that's not his that's right. real strong suit. What uh, anything he should avoid uh, going into this speech tomorrow? I think he's got an opportunity here with his his, his approval ratings are, are relatively high. Um, and I, I think he really needs to, on the one hand, lean into the economy, which is an area where the American people uh, even if they disagree about exactly how we need to do mm. the next steps, yeah. um, he knows that the American people are focused on that. And then avoiding um, a lot of the more controversial, divisive cultural I- issues that are really um, at the core of, of, of partisan dispute right now. Um, I, I think if he goes in and tries to give a partisan speech and try to blame Republicans or blame President Trump, um, he may score some points with his base, but he probably blows the opportunity this speech gives him. Mm. Um, I think I, I think that's the real thing to avoid is don't take too much blame or, or don't take too much credit and don't give out too much blame. Just act like a leader, set the agenda, um, make it a popular one that the American people are ready to accept. Um, and, and if he does that, he puts Republicans in a tough position trying to fight him. Yeah. yeah. Restraint always works. Uh, no spike in the ball yeah. before the uh, 100th day uh, comes in. If you're just joining us, we've got Michael Conley on the line with us uh, from Inkling Communications. Uh, he is the premier speechwriter in Washington uh, and just one of the great communication strategies uh, strategists on the planet. 
And uh, we've got just about a minute or so to go, uh, Mike. And I just want to ask you kind of a broader question now beyond the president's speech tomorrow, and that is political speech in in general. Uh, I know you've been one of those that uh, has uh, lamented the fact that uh, we're we're draining the meaning of a lot of words, and and our political speech yeah. is really becoming more you know pitch men and women and uh, and other things. But what do you what do you see moving forward? Is this going to is the pendulum going to swing back, or where are we headed with our political speech? Um, yeah, thanks. First of all, Boyd, I need to get a recording of this conversation so I can send it to my mother. It's her birthday today. I think she, she will appreciate all of your, done and done. All of your uh, uh, way over the top comments. Um, as for as for where we go from here, I, I think there is an opportunity. Um, I think the American people are hungry for authenticity. Mm. Um, I don't think that that right now is an especially um, you look, the country's divided ideologically. Uh, but I think they're, you know, there seems to be relatively united in disliking Congress, for instance. <laughs> so it's not like we can't agree on anything. Uh, and I think the way Congress has kind of evolved into performance art, the way political rhetoric, um, both among you know, elected officials, but also just, you know, everyday people yeah. on, on social media, I think it's bringing out the worst in us. Not just the mean and nasty stuff, as bad as that is, but just the insincerity, the the mm-hmm. constant, constant fake umbrage taking. The, the constant attempts to avoid blame and assign blame to the other side to constantly outrage people. You know, I, I think that, that the, you know, I think right now the pendulum is gone. I, I think it's already started to swing back. I think the American people are looking for leaders who engage them rather than just try to enrage them and, and, and get them upset all the time. I think everybody, especially coming out of COVID, I think people are done with drama for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 that would be my general advice to, to a younger generation of leaders uh, awesome. is to, to look for opportunities to really be authentic and, and sincere and level with people. Yeah. Love that. And that, Folks, is why I always listen to Michael Conley. Uh, that kind of thinking and that kind of strategy, uh, he is going to help us end rageism uh, because that will help us solve a lot of other problems. Again, he is the founder and principal of Inkling Communications. You can go to inklingcoms.com uh, to get some more information there. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Of course, Boyd. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Uh, very good. Again, that's Michael Conley from Inkling Communications, and uh, he's a great writer. He's a great communication strategist and uh, one of the smartest people I know. We will have Michael back on uh, regularly to help us break down what's happening in terms of communication uh, across the country and how we make that better and end the rageism. All right. We're going to go ahead and step aside for top of the hour news. You want to stay with us, though. In our Think Again segment at 2.05, Kim Coleman's going to join us. A lot of people are thinking again uh, about choice in education. Find out what you might be thinking coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, 
follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.